Take your Bible this morning, go with me to Revelation 22, where we'll begin reading in a moment in verse number 6 as we continue our series through the summer months of Revelation 21 and 22. And so you find your place right there. Man, what a great weekend we've enjoyed with the marriage conference and then uh, these men coming and uh, being in concert last night and leading us as we uh, sing today, grateful to God uh, for them. You pray for them as they run to catch another plane and get where they uh, need to be uh, here in the next uh, short while. So uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. You don't worry with them. They just need to unplug a few things and get out. They uh, apologize to me, and, but there's no uh, need to because schedules dictated. The only way we can get them out of here uh, is do it this way. So thank God uh, for them. Why don't you give Shane and Shane another hand. Let them know you love them. Thank God for them. Amen. Praise the blessed name of the Lord. Well, a message I've entitled today, Action to Take Before Jesus Comes. Friend, after he comes, there'll not be action to take. There's some action that we all need to take before our Lord comes. We've looked at Revelation 21, 22, down to verse number 5, painting the picture of heaven and the coming of our Lord. And then we come to the epilogue, the concluding remarks of the revelation, of the unveiling, of the apocalypsis, as the pulling back uh, of the future of this great old book gives us. And we come to this uh, verse in verse number six where he begins these concluding remarks, and we'll be looking the next three weeks at the conclusion of the last book in the Bible. We come today, Revelation 22, beginning in verse six and reading through verse 11. You follow along as I read because this is the blessed inerrant word of God. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, it's a phenomenal line. I'm, I'm working on a message of this just little phrase, the God of the spirits of the prophets. Dear friend, you hear somebody speaking and they're trying to give you a true word, a prophetic word. They don't have the Spirit of God on them, the character of God in them. You run from them. They're anathema if they don't have the, the, the Spirit, the character of God Himself, no matter what they're trying to tell you. He sent His angel to show to His bondservants the things which must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is He who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy. Let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Back in verse 6, these words are faithful and true. When you read in Revelation 3 and verse 14, Jesus is also called the one who is faithful and true. Uh, he is the amen 
the beginning of the creation of God, He is the faithful and true one, according to Revelation 3 and verse 14. This faithful and true one, these words are faithful and true. You can trust the word of God. Jesus says in this text three times, I am coming, I am coming, I am coming. In verse 7, in verse 12, and again in verse 20, Jesus says, I am coming, I am coming, I am coming. And each time he says, I am coming, he says, I am coming quickly. You say, preacher, that's 2,000 years ago. It like he's too quick. Well, the word quickly here does not mean the timeline. It means the moment. When Jesus comes, like the twinkling of an eye, He's coming like a flash of lightning, except faster. You will have no time to prepare when he comes. I've talked to people, shared the gospel with them. They said, well, you know, Pastor, I'm going to wait till I kind of live my life. I get a little older, and when I think maybe I'm coming toward it, then I'll get right. But no, 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 friend, you'll come to God when he calls you. The Bible says today is the day and now is the time. And when that light comes on, you need to say yes to him. Just like you heard Shane speaking a few minutes ago. When that light is on, you need to say yes, Lord, yes to your will and to your way. There's no time to get ready when he comes. You need to prepare now. Be ready today. And he tells us there are actions that we need to take before he comes. There are three of them that I want to pull out of this text today things that we should do, actions we should take, steps that we should employ. What are they? Number one, in this text we hear this phrase again and again, heed the word, heed the word. In verse 7, blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. In verse number 9, those who heed the words of this book. Uh, give attention to. He obey this book. Now he's speaking of the revelation, but he could also be speaking of all 66 books in, in scripture. You need to heed the word of the Lord. There's no book like this. 40 authors in 1500 years put together this very unique book and there is no other like it. It is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. It is God's breath, literally, to us, and we need to heed the Word of God. The authors were not perfect. They were flawed. Moses, as we heard from the uh, singer this morning in Psalm 90, it was the words of, but Moses was a flawed man. David, a flawed man. Peter, <laughs> flawed to the 10th power. Paul, flawed. But God used them to write a word that is not flawed. No error within it. And we should heed the word of God. There, there are many things that we should heed, but there's one word, one small word, that I believe is the tip of the sword of the Spirit. It is the first word that Jesus preached, Matthew 4, 17. When Jesus stepped out to preach after his baptism, he said, repent and believe. And in the revelation, 
as the writer writes to the seven churches, all of those churches say one, six of the seven are told, repent, repent. Seven times that word is used. It's Jesus' first word of preaching. It is the first word in the Revelation as he gives them this order to repent. Dear friend of mine, heed the word of God today in the morning. Repent, repent, repent. America needs to repent. Olive needs to repent. I need to repent. You need to repent. Metanoia is this word where we are going in one direction and we change our mind, we pivot, and we are going in another. Repentance. Let that repentance be yours today. God has called us to repent from self and sin and turn to Jesus as the Lord. Metanoia. To change your mind. That's what Shane did. He changed his mind. He had heard all about God, but all of a sudden, he said, I'm going to follow him. I pastored a little church while a college kid at Samford University many, many, many years ago, north of Birmingham, about an hour, New Lebanon Baptist Church out in the country, about 40 people in the church the first Sunday I was there. I'd been there about a year, and here came a man down the aisle I preached, and he came walking down the aisle. He shook my hand. He was a man that would dig water wells. That's what he did for a living. He had a drill in the back of his truck. He'd dig these. Matter of fact, two years later, he went to Pisgah, in my home in North Island, and dug a water well for my daddy. He watered his garden out of that till he died. That man came forward. I took his hand and I asked him, I said, Why have you come today? And he said these words to me He said, Pastor, I've changed my mind about God. I thought, well, I never heard that before. It's not really a great answer. I said, tell me more. He said, well, you know, I've, I've believed in God, but today I'm going to follow him. I said, that sounds good. It was weeks later. I was studying uh, for a test at Samford in our Greek Testament, and I came to the word repentance. It said metanoia, and, and out beside it was the definition to change one's mind about God. I said, that sinner knew more than I did. God taught him more than I knew. He's sitting in the pew, and God turned the light on, and he said, Pastor, I've come. I've changed my mind about who God is. Let me tell you, friend, you, if you're going to get saved, you'll change your mind about God. He's not just something sitting up there in the sky. He becomes your personal Lord and Savior. You turn from your sin and go to him. You come to the one that will forgive you. But let me tell you, not only to get saved do you need to repent. After you're a Christian, when sin enters your life, you need to repent. You've been unfaithful to the Lord, repent. You've been unfaithful to your spouse, repent. You've used your tongue in the wrong way. Repent. You've had the wrong attitude. Repent. You're angry at your parent. Repent. You've abused your wife. Repent. You turn from your sin and go toward God. Let repentance begin at the very house of the living God. Most weeks I walk and I listen to Adrian Rogers. This week he was speaking about the spirit of rebellion and the need to repent. 
Adrian said this. He said, I have the spiritual gift of a quick answer. And he said, when my heart is in rebellion to God, my quick answer can be a double-edged sword and cut your guts out. Oh my, I stopped dead still. I said, Lord, I confess. I sometimes have the spiritual gift of a quick answer. Just because it enters your mind does not mean it should come out your mouth. There are times I want to put something on a social post, media. God says, well, you can hit sin, but you're going to have to go to the altar. Friend, if you've used your media in the wrong way and didn't mean spirit, I repent. Turn from your wicked ways and come and be pure before holy God. Before Jesus comes, heed the word. Heed the word. All of the word, but especially this morning, heed the word. Metanoia. Repent. Repent. Change your mind and turn to the living God. Secondly, not only must we Heed the word. We must worship the Lord. Uh, John is here, and he hears that uh, beatitude is blessed is who heeds the word of the prophecy of this book. And then he says, I, John, was the one that saw, and he said, I I fell down at the angel's feet to worship. And the angels said, John, do not do that, because I am your fellow bondservant. I'm with your brethren, the prophets. Don't do it. Worship God. Before Jesus comes, we need to heed the word and repent. But we also learn to worship God. Friend, you don't worship angels. Angelology is a sin. You come to worship them. You don't worship this church. You don't worship another person. You shouldn't worship an idol, any other being. Worship God. Procuneo, that's this word. I want to show it to you. Over in the book of Matthew, if you've got your Bible, just go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. Just do a little Bible sword drill for a moment. You, everybody can find Matthew. So uh, you go to Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. I want to show you just a few verses where, where this procuno is, is used. Look, look at it. Matthew 2 and verse 2 where the Magi came. It says, where is he who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have come to procuno, to worship him. In chapter 8, verse number 2 of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 8 and verse 2, and a leper came to him and procuno, they bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. In chapter 9 and verse 18, we find a religious leader. And while he was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came and Procuno bowed down before him. He says, my daughter who's just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. In chapter 14 of Matthew's gospel, you read in verse 33, the Bible says, and those who were in the boat, Procuno, 
They worshiped him. These were his disciples. They said, surely you are God's son. In chapter 15 and verse number 25, we find in this text, she came. Who is she? She's the Canaanite woman. And she, the Canaanite woman, came and began to bow down, procuno, before him and said, Lord, help me. And then in the last chapter of Matthew at the Great Commission chapter, Matthew 28, verse number 9, the ladies are running from the tomb. In Matthew 28, verse 9, he's told them to go. And we find them saying in Matthew 28, verse 9, And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. That word prochuno literally means to kiss the hand, to kiss the hand of someone. The Bible says, greet each other the holy kiss. I, the first time I preached in the country of Kazakhstan, I walked in. There was a huge preacher. I, I mean, big guy. Huge. They introduced me to him. He literally, literally picked me up off the ground, turned me and kissed me on his cheek, turned me and kissed me on his cheek, sat me back down, said, welcome, preacher. We are glad you're here. I said, we just do this where I'm from, you know. <laughs> Greet each other with a holy kiss. This word, to kiss the hand of the feet of the Lord Jesus. Now listen to me. I think there ought to be more shouting in the church than we have. I think we ought to say amen a little more. There's time to speak up, time to be quiet. If you got hands, you want to raise them. Just make sure they're holy, the Bible says. But let me tell you, worship does not begin on your feet or with your hands in the air. Worship begins with your knees bent before the feet of Jesus. Until you have learned to bow under him. Dear friend, we should wear this altar out. We should wet it with our tears, bend our knees, and this carpet should be worn as we come before the king. But not just here. You should do it in your private place. The Bible speaks of a prayer closet. You ought to have a private place where no one sees you. You don't come for show. You're just there before God crying out in that back room, in that back closet, door closed, often with the lights out, just saying, oh, God, oh, God. All of this sickness we've got going on has bent the knee of a lot of people. I was called to a prayer meeting Friday afternoon in the parking lot of West Florida Hospital. I've never been to a prayer meeting in the parking lot of West Florida Hospital. One of our young ladies, young teacher in her 20s, sick. We gathered there in a circle, cried out to God. Bend in our life. Dear friend, before he comes, worship the Lord. Worship him. You're going to be glad you did. Because when he comes, we will fall at his feet as dead men. Before Jesus comes, heed the word. Before Jesus comes, worship the Lord. And number three, before Jesus comes, 
declare your allegiance. I think it's one of the toughest verses in all of Revelation. Verse 11 says, let the one who does wrong still do wrong. The one who's filthy still be filthy. The one who's righteous practice righteousness. The one who is holy keep himself holy. What in the world? It seems like if you're filthy, you ought to get clean. What he's saying is you will not have time when he comes. If you're filthy now when he comes, you'll be filthy then. If you're unholy now, you'll be unholy then. You will not have time to change. The time is up. The clock is run out. There is no more sand in the hourglass. Now is the time. And he says, come today. Now. If you're holy, remain holy. If you're righteous, remain righteous. You are his. Declare your allegiance today. Take your stand for the Lord. These boys that were singing for us today, they're both Aggies, Texas A&M Aggies. If you're in Texas, you have to decide your allegiance. Longhorns are Aggies. If you're in Mississippi, you've got to declare your allegiance. Bulldogs are rebels. Come on across. If you're in Alabama, it's Alabama or Auburn. You come to Florida, it's FSU or the Gators. You've you got to declare your allegiance. Go up to South Carolina, it's Clemson or the Gamecocks. And all across, football's about to start, and we all have a big time with that. But let me tell you, friend, there's coming one whose name is Jesus, and he deserves your allegiance more than all. First place, King Jesus, as you bow before him. I watched yesterday, I had a funeral of a 95-year-old lady here, and on the way I saw on my phone where they were having Bobby Bowden's funeral, so I clicked on it and I watched it all the way to the graveyard. I watched it. Oh, so good. It really was. They honored coach, but I tell you, they exalted Jesus in that funeral. It was good. Our buddy Charlie Ward, who coached here over at Washington, I sent him a text after he got done. He had a great outline, three Ps. He talked about coaching. Let him. I sent him a text. I said, Charlie, great job. Three Ps, alliterated, just like a preacher. Said you honored coach and exalted Jesus. Said thanks for doing it. Coach Bowden lived for Christ. He's absent from his body, present with the Lord. And dear friend, wherever he went, you heard all those guys say he declared his allegiance. He didn't care what the state said. He said, My team going to church on Sunday. He declared his allegiance. Unto Jesus. He declared it here in this pulpit. He's declared it all over wherever they let him come. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And dear friend, you should declare your allegiance unto Christ. If you're holy, remain holy. If you're filthy, you'll be filthy when he comes and you do not want to be caught in that state. Say, preacher, how do I declare my allegiance? There are three ways to do it. Number one, you must believe. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never believed and expressed your belief and said yes to him, then you should believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. Believe. Be saved. Come by faith and believe. Secondly, you should be baptized like these two and others. Week by week by week, you should be lowered into the water and raised out of that water. It won't save you, but it it declares your allegiance. Jesus, be baptized. Come right now. We'll take you outside. We'll baptize you right now. Amen. You're listening. I'm listening too. Yeah. Oh, Fred's a coming. Don't worry. Fred be dead on Wednesday, so just live for Jesus, all right? You ought to be baptized. 
I probably couldn't have timed that better, could I? <laughs> and then you ought to belong. You ought to join this church. You ought to put your life, your heart, right, right here in this church. Like Sunday, 9.30. So a lady and another woman, they brought her, came right here. And when she got to me, I looked, I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I said, you're in the wrong service. You, you, you're supposed to be here at, at 11 o'clock. She said, well, Pastor, I came at 9.30 because I was bringing a friend. I said, okay, one time you can do that. But you can be back and you see 11 o'clock where you're supposed to be. No, no, praise God. She brought a friend and, and came to linger life right here. And you ought to do that today. You said, Preacher, I'm scared to come. A friend will come with you. Come, we'll, we'll help you today. You ought to come and belong under King Jesus. He's coming. And there's some steps you ought to take before he comes. Heed the word, repent. Oh, make sure you worship the Lord and declare your allegiance. Joshua said it. He asked the question, who's on the Lord's side? Let him stand over here. Declare your allegiance this day. You know, it's been a puzzling thing to me. I've watched it for the last couple of months in this service. Not 9.30, but in this service. 11 o'clock. So many children have been coming to the altar. I've noticed children. Some come with their parents, but others just children by themselves. I mean, middle school, and, but younger, grade school kids just coming and kneeling in the altar. You say, well, preacher, do they know what they're doing? Well, I, I don't know. Do you know what you're doing sitting there? <laughs> uh, the Bible says unless you become like a child, you, you'll never see the... What I think's going on is I think these kids are giving us a demonstration of what it means just to believe. Just to believe and trust God. And I'm praying that this altar will just Sunday by Sunday just fill up and that people would come and believe and people would come and belong and people would come and be ready to be baptized. Because King Jesus is coming. He's coming. I've shared this with you before. It used to be I'd go to a Shoney's restaurant over here. Years ago, I'd go to that Shoney's. Many people go on Sunday night after Sunday night church. Well, I walked in there one late afternoon in that Shoney's. And there was a waitress. I've told you about her before. She had one of those red plastic seats pulled out and turned upside down and she was just cleaning just cleaning and I walked in she never looked up I said can we take a seat she said go on in just just go ahead I said are you okay she said the inspectors come in I got a job to do I mean I'm a customer I'm about to give her money but she she was more concerned about the inspector than she was the customer and I walked out of there thinking, oh, I would have got our church had lived like that. The inspector's coming. The king, the judge is coming. I pray we'd be found hard at work till Jesus comes. Heeding his word, doing as he told us. Worshiping at his feet. And declaring our allegiance everywhere we go. 
So I went up to the ark to preach. If you've never been to the ark, plan to go. It's a cool place. And I got in to the Cincinnati airport. Never flown in Cincinnati before. Shoe shine station was open, and I sat down. I had on these very shoes. Right here. I got me a shoe shine. I'm talking to old boy about shine. He says, good shoes. And I said, I said, well, yeah. So when I got done, I tried to share the gospel with him. I tipped him $100 to shine my shoe. It wasn't my money. Somebody gave it to me. I'm not going to give my money for that. <laughs> People hand me $100, I give it away. I walked in here this morning early, and a guy walked by me. He said, Preacher, here's $100. Use it somewhere to bless somebody. I said, all right, good. I just out of money. So I stuck it in my pocket. I got it right here just waiting on God to say Friend, I don't know where you go. It's not about giving money away. It's about declaring allegiance to Jesus. It's lifting him up. Sometimes you bless people. Sometimes you don't give nothing. But you always give the word of the king. Give it to him. Preach it. Live it. He's coming. He's coming. And he's coming quickly. In the twinkling of an eye, like lightning, but faster. He is on the way. Now this morning, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. And there's some of you around that balcony. Some of you, all by yourself, you need to come right here and take me by hand. and preach, I believe I'm coming today. So there's a couple here that needs to come. Somebody with you, you need to come. Whole family that, that needs to come. Or just one somebody, you by yourself, across this ground floor. The call of God's in your heart. It's like that light came on in Shane's life. God's turned a light on in you today. I'm going to be standing right here waiting for you. Maybe you just need to come fall in this altar and pray and cry out unto the Lord and kneel before him and ask him to do a good work. The call of God's in this place today. Let's stand together all over this room. We're going to stand. I'm going to pray. After I pray, John will sing. And when he sings this song, after I pray, I want to ask you to come. Ask you to come. Ask you to come. And say, yes, I declare my allegiance unto Jesus this day. Father, in Jesus' blessed name, save our friends. Grow this church. And root out sin by our repentance. Make us to be pure people with motives that for just to glorify your name. Fill this altar. Fill our heart. Oh God, we declare you are coming and we want to be ready. And I ask you to send people this day down these aisles. In Jesus' name, amen.